Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia Farm Team. With the release of the September Situation and Outlook report, we thought it would be a good chance to look at what's happening in hay and grain trends in Australia and indeed around the world. With input prices remaining subdued and milk prices still favourable, farmers will now be looking down the track to see what their balance sheets will be like for the rest of the year. To help paint a clearer picture of hay and grain forecasts, Dairy Australia's industry analyst John Droppert is joined by Pro Farmer Australia analyst Claudia Kirby. Claudia and John will take you through all the issues from local mice plagues to droughts on the Canadian prairie to see what the future might hold for input prices. Claudia Kirby, welcome to the Dairy Pod. Thanks, John. Good to be here. It's a, it's a great time to be talking grains at the moment. I think, you know, a lot of dairy farmers, um, you know, reading the Weekly Times and, and, and listening to the commentary around grains markets, um, you know, probably seeing two different stories at the moment. On one hand, you know, really strong grain crop and a lot of uh, a lot of grain growers really worried about, you know, getting enough labour to get it all harvested. And at the same time, um, you know, grain prices are still um, fairly strong. Is it? Is it just as simple as the fact that it hasn't been harvested yet? It's, you know, it's, until it's in the bin, it's not in the bin, or is there is there more at play at the moment that's driving those prices? Yeah, look, it's you know the strength in price is definitely coming from what's happening offshore. Pretty um tight global balance sheets for feed grains and that's obviously you know pulling domestic prices up as well because domestic users have to compete there um, but when it comes to you know it is it's not in the bin yet so we've still got you know that frost risk um, still the issue of mice um, but you know they'd have to be a massive almost disaster for there not to be above average production this year um, so yeah, it's looking pretty solid from that perspective. Um, ABES just released their September crop update and have winter crop production at 55 million tonnes. So that's, you know, well above average. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of grain around. It's just going to be that play between what's happening um, export wise and then that competition domestically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you know, it's, it's early days and everything, but I guess that if there is that offshore pressure, then you'd probably expect, if with the big harvest, that there will be at least some some pressure or some you know some support under prices, um, even post harvest potentially. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's kind of what we're seeing. But you know, at the start of harvest, you always get a bit of selling pressure because you know everyone's getting their crop off, and you know it's you're, you're finally realising your yield. So you're going to see growers um, still selling a bit more at harvest time. And, you know, there might be some opportunities uh, where price will dip, but overall, um, you know, just the way that the global feed, um, you know, balance sheet is at the moment, um, Australian wheat and barley, it's going to be in demand. So we're, we're thinking that prices are going to stay fairly strong. Yeah, sure. And I suppose, you know, worth digging into that a little bit. I mean, the, probably the main factor that I've seen reported has been, you know, the droughts in, in parts of the Northern Hemisphere. And Saskatchewan, as, as one example, you know, there's some, you know, really dire sort of drought pictures as a life you, you know, you often see in Australia, but, um, um, you know, heat waves and, and things like that. Is that kind of, you know, what are the key, the key bits and pieces that are going on overseas that are driving this? Is it, is it drought in Saskatchewan or is it something else? Yeah, look, like Canada and the US have had a pretty tough time this year. Um, you know, Canada in particular through the prairies, it's been so dry. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Saskatchewan. That's a real key um, canola production area, actually. So um, I think they're down over 30% 
um, on the prior year with production. So that's why we're seeing really strong um, canola prices as well in Australia. Um, but on the like wheat front, um, it's also not very good news in Canada. Um, I think the recent uh, Statistics Canada had production around 23 million tonnes and that's the lowest since 2007. So when you kind of put all those pieces together, we've got um, also the US spring wheat crop was pretty much a write-off, um, the worst in I think about 30 years. So when you take um, that you know, Canadian and US production out of the mix, it really opens up this opportunity for Australian um, exports, especially in that higher protein um, grades as well. So we might see that uh, spread to the higher protein um, grades of wheat are really wide in this season, a bit more than last season. Yeah, yeah okay. And, and obviously, you know, supply is, you know, is probably the major flux year to year in terms of, you know, seasonal conditions and growing conditions and, and stuff like that. But have there been major changes in demand as well, or is, is demand fairly steady and, and it's just these, you know, this reduction in supply or supply outlook that's, that's driving prices? Uh, yeah, it's also a demand thing as well. Um, you know, Australia has a really strong presence into the Asian market and we're seeing uh, really high uh, ocean uh, freight costs at the moment. So that is actually kind of a good thing for Australia because we can compete um, a bit better into those closer markets than um, further afield. So we have that bit of advantage and, you know, that's seen us increase um, exports, you know, to Indonesia, um, other yeah Asian markets um, and I suppose there's a good point there about barley as well um, with the tariffs imposed by China last year um, you know exports of barley to China are pretty much non-existent um, but Saudi Arabia pretty much picked up that barley volume so um, that's where kind of feed barley is being redirected now. Yeah absolutely and I, I sort of wanted to unpack that um you know, the logistics side of it as well, because, you know, we were talking yesterday about this, that, you know, dairy exporters are, you know, really getting hit by that, the, the, the challenges in, in getting product, um, you know, through the port, there's extra costs there now, but, um, you know, difficulty in pinning down shipping, you know, vessels skipping ports, um, you know, shortage of containers, which obviously, you know, it's not so much of an issue for bulk wheat, but are there similar issues in, um, in, in grains? Are there, you know, is it, is it really difficult to move product at the moment, or you know, you mentioned the some of the comparative advantages of um, you know the, the nearer destinations. Is that more? Is it is it more of a, a net positive for, for grains in Australia at the moment? Yeah. Look, on the bulk side, it's been a lot smoother than containers. Um, we've got, I suppose, this kind of trend happening at the moment where we've got more um, export capacity from independents. So that's actually increased to 15% of bulk exports have gone through independence um, this last season compared to the big bulk handlers. So that's kind of helping bulk a bit as well to um, get that uh, amount of grain exported. Um, yeah, with bulk, it's, it's yeah, a bit of a different story to containers. Containers are, you know, they have their definite share of issues, but it's really only the niche grades or say like pulses that are, predominantly exporting containers. So there's still impacts um, for the grain industry, but it's kind of uh, the same story across a lot of other industries as well. Yeah, so, so it might be a dumb question, I guess, but going back a bit, you, you know, mentioned the independence versus um, you know, the, the bulk handlers. I mean, by that, assume you mean, you know, the big, obviously the big handlers, but with, with port facilities and that is, that, is there a sort of a clear 
differentiation there for, for those that don't know? Yeah, yeah. So um, usually uh, when you talk bulk, bulk handlers, it's uh, those companies that have upcountry storage sites and uh, kind of supply chains through to the ports. So you'd have your Grain Corps, Viterras, uh, CBH, they're yeah, the big ones. And the majority of capacity still goes through there because um, it's, you know, the efficiencies there are massive to getting um, grain exported. So, yeah, they're definitely yeah. ramping up um, storage capacity as well coming into another big year. So a lot of um, investment into their supply chain networks as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've seen, seen, seen a lot of reports about that too. Um, I guess, uh, you know, it, when it comes to the upcoming harvest, you know, you, you mentioned there's um, investment in capacity and handling. Are there, are there pinch points leading up to the harvest that we should be, you know, worried about, like or dairy farmers should be worried about as users of growing? Are, are there regions that we should be worried about? Is, you know, you mentioned earlier that it would take quite, a, quite an event to bring things undone, but you know, what are, where, where are some of the points where that could happen between now and, and, and say December where, um, you know, where what, what should people be worried about? Yeah, well, I suppose for grain growers at the moment, spring's a really a time of frost risk. And we've just heard some reports um, out of, you know, WA's wheat belt that there's been some frost events there. So I suppose there's that um, element of if there's, um, more events then there's potential for downgrading of uh, the crop so there's uh, you know possibility that um, prices could be lower if a lot of the crop is downgraded uh, to feed all the lower yeah the lower grades um, but I suppose just another um, pinch point we kind of touched on before is labour um, you know making sure there's enough workers to get the crop off which is not just for um, the farmers but also um, for the bulk handlers as well. So the receival sites, making sure yeah. there's enough people to actually receive the grain. Um, and I suppose that's probably also an issue in the dairy industry as well, is it? Getting labour? Yeah, absolutely. You know, labour. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the processing sites themselves are a bit more, or a bit less seasonal than, uh, you know, these days than what, what bulk receival sites are. But from a, uh, from a farming perspective, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, particularly with uh, not only the, the backpackers being shut out, but the, uh, you know, the, the state borders as well. And I think there's a lot of people looking at, you know, who, who aren't maybe directly involved in the grains industry, but see that sort of, um, you know, the, the movement of harvest from Queensland through New South Wales and you know, down to southern Victoria. And, you yeah, wonder how that's all going to work, um, you know, whether the permits will make it possible or whether it's going to be a, a real drama. Yeah, because there's also the new ag visa that's been announced um, that's supposed to come into effect, I think, at the end of this month. Um, but yeah, there's obviously a lot of concern how that will um, kind of be managed with the different states, uh, people quarantining, and even whether it's almost a bit too late, like people are going to be starting yeah. harvest, you know, in October. So to get, you know, to source people um, to come in and help with the harvest that are skilled enough to operate this, you know, it's, expensive machinery these days you have to have people that you know know what they're doing um, so it's definitely a concern for people and you know if you can't get labor then there's that uh, possibility that harvest will be a bit more drawn out so that exposes you to more risk as well um, so yeah always a bit of a yeah issue at seeding or harvest or any other big time of year yeah absolutely and 
I suppose, you know, to you know, for, for dairy farmers looking ahead, is there any sort of any sort of advice you'd give them? I mean, you know, look out for look out for cloudy weather or um or, you know, talk to your supplier ahead of time to um, you know, given there's that export demand or um, you know, what 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 should dairy farmers be keeping in mind at this time of year and, you know, as as things progress? Yeah, I suppose the key one is always, you know, watching the weather. No one has a crystal ball, but, you know, um, the Bureau of Meteorology is, um, you know, predicting a pretty wet um, spring and into summer if, you know, La Nina returns, then we could see some wetter conditions and that could provide some opportunity for dis discounted grain. Or if, um, you know, the mice um, issue evolves, then we're going to see um, growers potentially having to clean their grain if there's, uh, you know, issues from mice. So there are a few, um, you know, potential positives for uh, dairy farmers. Um, but yeah, like overall, it's going to be a fairly solid season and there's going to be that strong export um, demand happening as well. So there's always going to be that competition there. And that export picture, I mean, is that kind of, a, you know, are we looking 12 months from now before that pressure starts to recede you know if, you know do we need a good crop in Canada and um, you know the, the the Russians to you know wind back their tax or um, or, or is that something that a good Australian harvest could you know help or could southern hemisphere you know season could could help alleviate do we think this pressure's here for the medium term or is it sort of shorter term than that yeah look I think um, Australia is in a really strong position here um, because you know the big exporters uh, Russia, US, Canada, they've all had um, some form of production issue or as you mentioned with Russia, they've got their wheat tax. Um, so that's all adding to this increase of uh, global prices. And it's really only the Southern Hemisphere exporters, so us and say Argentina, um, that have capacity to export a bit more. Um, but yeah, it, it will come down to as well, uh, I suppose the proximity of our export markets um, in the last season with Europe, um, so Europe last year had um, big production issues and they couldn't export as much to um, African markets. So Australia actually picked up some market share there. We don't expect that to be as strong this season coming because these higher um, sea freights, you know, that's going to price us out from those markets a lot further away. Um, but I think our uh, strength into the yeah, Asian market, those, you know, Indonesia, Vietnam, um, that's going to remain very strong and really is where the focus is on diversifying our markets as well at the moment, um, especially with the trade issues that we've had with China. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not all that different to, um, to dairy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's, um, that, that's all I've got, Claudia. It's been uh, really great chatting with you and, and thanks very much for being part of it. Yeah, no worries. It was great, great having a chat. Thanks to Claudia and John. It's always interesting to see how so many international factors influence the bottom line of farmers right across our dairy regions. Of course, Dairy Australia's Situation and Outlook report drills down into exactly what's happening now and what could be just around the corner for the dairy industry. The September report shows that COVID-19 continues to affect consumer confidence, although new lockdowns have not seen the same domestic dairy panic buying trends as before. Sales of both fresh and long-life milk decreased in the past year, down 1.4% and 7% respectively, as shoppers reverted to long-term purchasing trends. A wet start to the season slowed milk flows in July, however drier weather has since helped to improve milk production conditions heading into spring. 
initial forecast suggesting a possible 0 to 2% increase to this year's milk pool. You can read the whole Situation and Outlook report at dairyaustralia.com.au. Well, that's it for this podcast. You can find other Dairy Pod episodes, as always, wherever you subscribe to your favourite pods. Till next time, thanks for listening and bye for now.